This is Jeff Stevens, and this is the Creative Stick Up. This week um, on the cast, I was actually at Brennan's in the cigar room, um, and I met this guy named David Culver up there, and uh, we started talking about interesting creative people around St. Louis, and he said, you've got to interview my sister, Marky. She's got an amazing story to tell. She went to East Africa and started a business helping women over there bake bread, not only for themselves and their village, but for profit. She started this social business over there. So I called her up, and it was fascinating. She was a terrific guest. So please enjoy my interview with Marky Culver. Westover School. It's in Connecticut, um, and I loved. Was it, it like Harry college. Potter? Yeah, it definitely was like Harry Potter, except for all girls. But there was magic. Definitely. Okay. Yes. All girls with magic. With magic. Were there houses and robes and yes. contests? Yes. Really. All that stuff. Yep. And it's in Connecticut. And it's in Connecticut. So it's East Coast. That's cool. Yeah, Connecticut actually. So boarding school sounds weird to us in the Midwest, yeah. but boarding school is synonymous with like a private school yeah. in the Northeast. Yeah. Um, and it's been in my family, and so, so you my, were an eighth generation girl of this. No, school definitely not. Or something. No, nope. First. Oh, okay. First. Um, but yeah, my parents offered it to me as a as an option and an opportunity, mm-hmm. and I seized it, and I'm so glad that I did because yeah. it was the best thing that pretty much has ever happened to me. Really? I loved my high school. Yeah. Wow. Most people dread going back to their yeah. high schools, and I loved it. Oh my goodness! Can't wait to go back. Wow. No, I'm serious, actually. And why was that? What did it have about and it? This is relevant because this okay. will tie right into what I do. I'm sure. Um, Westover creates a really unique community mm-hmm. um, that is focused on global citizenship okay. and service. Okay. And so, and I think my parents have been in, integral in that as well, but mm-hmm. Westover... Um, so they were into this before, they were into global citizenship and service. My parents as, were, yeah, yeah, maybe not global citizenship by name, but just mm-hmm. um, awareness. Yeah. Uh, and then Westover was a catalyst for helping me think beyond my small scope, right? Yeah. Which yeah, is yeah. Ladue. Yeah, yeah. Very small. Don't know where to drive. Right. Don't know where to go. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Westover... Uh, instilled this or... Yeah, they it did. codified what you already thought of the world, and it just made you feel no, like... No, it exposed it was... me to the world. So okay. it's a boarding school. Yeah. It was an, a very small all-girls boarding school. Yeah. Um, we had 200 girls, and I think 30 states represented, okay. and 18 countries. Okay. So it was this like amalgamation of cultures and perspectives and opinions that all had to be housed under one roof, uh-huh. and you're going to classes together. So it was just... It was, I think, at least in my mind, it defined pluralism, right? Where yeah. you really do, it, tolerance is demanded because you have to live together. Yeah, yeah. Um, but tolerance, um, I think more accurately at Westover was, um, I think it was harbored, but it was welcomed because you wanted to understand mm-hmm. yeah. where someone came from and what she thought and why that was important and how it was relevant to your life yeah. as well. So. Yeah. That's cool. It was so cool. I, well, I'm going to talk to you about what you do now, and then yeah. we'll go back and figure yeah, out definitely. how you got there. I think that's great. So you're the 
founder, mm-hmm. director mm-hmm. of an organization called the Women's Bakery. Yep. Yep. And you have the essence of this organization is that we go to East Africa, yep, East Rwanda, Africa. Mm-hmm. in Tanzania, in Tanzania, uh-huh. and we teach women yep. there how to source mm-hmm. local ingredients yeah. to make a loaf of bread. Yes, I paid him to say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you nailed it, it, right? Yeah, you nailed it. That okay. is, in essence, what we do. So. What I tell people is that we are a vocational business school for East African women, okay. rural or urban. Okay. Mm-hmm. A vocational business school for East African women. Okay. Right. There's a physical school there. Yes. A bakery. Yes, there's a physical school, which is now, it doubles as a bakery. It's We started it as a bakery. It's in the capital city of Rwanda, which is Kigali. Kigali, okay. Mm-hmm. And then, so it started as a bakery, which is what we just opened two weeks ago. But mm-hmm. in the back, yes, it will it will also dual as a training facility. Mm-hmm. However, I think one of the things that makes the women's bakery unique is that we actually are a mobile school. Ah. So we will go to where the women are. Okay. Um, they don't need to come to the capital city because many can't. Sure, sure. Um, we do. Uh, Is so, this like on a RV? No, but that's actually my business partner's goal. She would love to do that. Okay. Which I think to make an RV. Well, to do we're like in Toyota a, Land Cruisers right now. Yes, and I don't know if you talked to my brother about that, but I he loves not. he loves those. So they're amazing, but that's what you yeah. see in the movies. Yeah, definitely. No, we're not going to do that. No, it would probably be like a van or okay. something. Yeah. But she's viewing it more as a food truck. Okay. I don't know. That's probably not relevant and probably won't happen. That'd be like a weird thing or but, awesome. <laughs> I like the RV idea. Yeah. If you need, I'm in the mobile tours. We do it for beer companies. Ah. Uh, but there's oh, a, lot of, yes. a lot of those trucks are built here in St. Louis. A lot of those, mo- we have the big fabricating company here that do makes you? all that stuff. Yeah. So we'll go talk to them, see if they want to get into yeah, the donation Yeah, you need to get business, my brother in on this Ship too. it over there. So let's talk about the school. So you... What's the curriculum? How did you get into this? Mm-hmm. What? Where did you like, oh, this is what I want to do? Yeah, exactly. I just <laughs> threw a dart at the map and I was like, yes, Rwanda is where I want to go. Yeah. That's not how it happened at no. all. So I joined the Peace Corps in 2010 okay. and I was assigned to Rwanda, okay. which is comical because it was literally the only country I requested not to go to. I'm not kidding. <laughs> is that actually. how the Peace Corps I, works? I don't think so. I think that maybe my request just fell through the cracks, but okay. that's fine. Um, or it was divine intervention, right? Because right. look at where we are now. Right. Um, so yes, I, I was assigned to Rwanda mm-hmm. and the Peace Corps gives you seven days after your assignment invitation to accept or decline. Okay. And I took all seven days because I really did think I was yeah. like sealing a death. And wish. was there, cause Rwanda had had such bad history at that moment Definitely. in time. Well, it's... they, in 2010, let's see, that would have been 14 years after, no, not 14. Two 2014 was 20 years after the genocide. Yeah. So 16 years after the genocide. And the country, and so, and that's really all you hear. And that's yeah, why that's I requested you know. not to go. Correct. It was just plain ignorance. It was not for any valid reason whatsoever. Right. Um, so, but in that 16 years, the the country has, and I didn't see it. I was nine when the right. genocide happened. Sure. But um, and it was actually a culmination of genocides. This was like mm-hmm. they had had they gained independence in 1959, and there was a series of small genocides that we just don't really hear about. Yeah. yeah. And then this was like the big one that yeah. everyone heard about, but no one did anything about. Yes. Um. So, but I have been told repeatedly that the country went from like total and utter destruction and destitution in 1994 
just like a complete 180 where, okay. yeah, there's, there is. So when you landed, it was a different place. Definitely. It yeah. was. And I'll be honest. And this again is total blind ignorance. Um, I did a little bit of research prior to mm -hmm. going to Rwanda, but I was fearful of doing a lot because yeah. I wouldn't go. Right. 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 <laughs> the more I learned, I was like, Nope, I'm definitely not going. That's so, funny. um, when I landed, I was actually very surprised to see lights Okay. And that's so such thought, a like, dumb thing. Yeah. Like that's definitely a person who's never been to the yeah. continent. Yeah. Never like seen. So this is your first trip to Africa. Yeah, it was. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, it was just, it blew my mind. Mm -hmm. Kigali is a beautiful city. It's okay. very clean. Is it's, it a, uh, traditional African city? Was it colonized by, built by a European mm -hmm. power? Or? No. So Rwanda was a former Belgian colony okay, Belgian. and I don't know if the Belgians built Kigali. Yeah. My, my, Assumption is no, and yeah. if they did, it was probably destroyed, or at least a large part of it was destroyed in the genocide, but yeah. I really don't know. Yeah. I'm sure there are a few existing buildings, primarily mm -hmm. hotels, yeah. um, from that, but I'm, sure. I really don't know. Okay. Um, so yeah, Kigali was this beautiful city, and Rwanda is this gorgeous land. The, tag, the tagline of Rwanda is the land of a thousand hills, uh -huh. and it's, so Kigali is a mile high city. It's like Denver. Yeah, yeah. It's, um... Your, so your Does equatorial it have the same climate as Denver. It, no, it's not as cool because it's on the equator. It is as cool well, actually. Cool. Okay. Um, yes, because it is equatorial. Mm -hmm. So Rwanda is technically in the southern hemisphere. It's about seventy-five miles south of the equator. Okay. But because they're on the Rift Valley, it's a very it's mountainous. It's yeah, yeah. not when you when I think of mountains, I think of the Rocky Mountains. Sure. It doesn't look like that. It's like these luscious rolling hills. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so I think the tallest peak in Kigali is like 6,000 feet. I think the city itself is more in a valley, so maybe it's like 5,000 or 5,500 feet. Mm -hmm. um, is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but it is quite temperate. I, yeah. The days are hot. The sun is brutal, yeah. but it's actually quite temperate. Yeah. So, and what was your job in the Peace Corps? Like, what did you get there and mm -hmm. what are you doing? Again, this is funny. I... I the applied. one job you said I'm not doing. Yeah, no, really. I applied to the Peace Corps because I wanted to do agriculture in Latin America, and I got <laughs> English teaching in Africa. <laughs> um, but that's totally fine. Yeah. Because my background was actually in teaching English as a foreign language, okay. and so if you have that background, obviously the Peace Corps is they going like to that use that skill. Yeah. And I think it's something like 54% of Peace Corps volunteers actually do work as English teachers. Yeah. Sure, yeah. Sure. In sub-Saharan Africa, so okay. the the, <laughs> the odds yeah are... the odds were against me right. to to go to that's where you're going. East Africa. Okay, yeah. um, so yeah, my primary assignment was as an English teacher mm -hmm. um, because um, in 2009 the president, who is still the president, switched the medium of instruction in school from francophone or from francophone to anglophone, so from French to English. Mm -hmm. Cold turkey, just, just like said, overnight. Hey, was like, we're right. Doing this, right. Yeah, because there were former Belgians, so everything, like sure. if you had an opportunity to be educated, you mm -hmm. would be educated in French. Yes. Um, but uh, because, and there are probably a lot of different reasons behind this, but I think one of the, one of the largest reasons was um, Rwanda is part of the East African community. And mm -hmm. in it's kind of like the... EU mm -hmm. where you're they don't share a currency but mm -hmm. they try it's for trade it's yeah, yeah, for yeah. Yep. commerce and everything is being done in English it is because yeah. they're working with primarily Kenya and yep. Uganda those yep. are both former British colonies yep. so yep. if you have the opportunity to be educated you're educated in mm -hmm. English mm -hmm. um, Tanzania is not part of the EA the East African community um, but they are also they've got a giant because they also have a port so giant 
uh, English-speaking. Yeah, but yes. giant economy. Oh, okay. And they are also English-speaking. Yeah, yeah. So Rwanda, I think, seeing the opportunity for trade and um, commerce, need, they need their people to yeah, speak English yeah, yeah. because the only other French-speaking countries are the Congo. Right. And there's, I mean, the Congo also has a huge market, but it's, mm -hmm. I think, a little... Um, more risky for investments yeah, yeah. as opposed to maybe parts of Kenya, parts of Tanzania, and parts of Uganda. Right. So, yeah, in 2009, the president switched the, the medium of instruction in schools. And so the Peace Corps is nowhere that they're not invited. The okay. Peace Corps has to be invited okay. into a country. Okay. Yep. So then the Rwandan government called the U.S. government and was like, right, we need 700 volunteers. Right. Um, who are English teachers, and we need them tomorrow. And right. the Peace Corps is like, cool, we'll send you 70, right. and we'll send them to you in two years. So I was the second <laughs> I was the second cohort of English. You were the English, second English teacher. Yeah, the, lands the second in the country. cohort. Mm -hmm. Like, we're, but, we I mean, need you. Yeah, the Peace Corps did exist in Rwanda sure. prior to the genocide. Just not the but English, yeah. yeah the, and the, how many kids did you have to teach? Like, what were your classrooms yeah, like? Yeah, I taught, and my this is small. Right. My classroom was 56. Four to fifty-six kids, okay. and that's small. And this is you go in for an hour a day in the regular classroom, oh gosh, or no. this is your. This is my full-time job. Full-time job, eight yeah. hours a day. And actually, we were when we came, we were tasked with two jobs. One was to be an English teacher in the classroom for mm -hmm. students, mm -hmm. like basically the equivalent of our secondary school, mm -hmm. um, but like kind of middle school, secondary school. Mm -hmm. And then also to train teachers how to teach in English. Oh, my goodness. Right? Yeah. And so we right. had technical You're training. training. the trainees, as we say. That's exactly right. All right. And so, but you show up, you get dropped off in your village. Mm -hmm. What's your village? It was called Bushoga. Bushoga. Uh-huh. Um, which was in the eastern province of Rwanda, which, uh -huh. uh, unlike the rest of the country, is flat, dry, and very hot. <laughs> so it's... You're in these lush mountains, like this is awesome. This is awesome. Like it's so throw beautiful. you in the desert. Yeah, there's rain English every day and in Rwanda. Definitely not. That's funny. Yeah. So, but I show up as this like bouncy, bubbly 25 year old. Right. And I'm like, you're the tallest person in the whole. Well, no, there, actually. Is everyone taller? Because it's a. Yeah. It's um. You're not no, the tallest I was person. not the tallest. I was. I was definitely tall. I was. I am a. <laughs> you're tall I am here. a giant. Yes. <laughs> but there were a handful of people five eleven. All right, that's good. That's not. Yeah. Crazy tall. No. Like pretty tall. But I was as tall as. Yeah. I mean, there were only a handful of people who were yeah. taller than I was. A few women, which is badass, right? Yeah. Um. Yeah, but I show up as this bouncy twenty-five-year-old with all male teachers because yeah. that's all that that the is kid, and i'm yeah. like hey i'm here to teach you and they're like no you're not yeah yeah definitely not that's funny so it took so me that a took year a while yeah for you to establish get... a, a rapport with them wow. so that they would trust me wow it took you a year yeah because did the... you have to did you consciously know that this was going to happen that you'd have to take this year to establish this report i mean or did the, you just figure this out the peace corps so <laughs> they're like, the peace corps tells you they they say it takes happen. about a year yeah. for you to really um, establish a rapport and trust yeah, yeah. and be able to, in essence, get shit done. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause um, you'll try to get shit done. And let's look at you like, uh, yeah. Or you? you just don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Because <laughs> here and yeah, because here is the case you, I'll be totally honest. You have, and this is like a whole complex where you're like, yes, I'm going to go in and I'm going to do all these things and it's going to be amazing. Yeah. And they're going to be so thankful for all of my help. And then you get there and you're like, wait, I'm completely dependent on you for food. Can yeah. you please help me? And so it's just not at all what you think. And it is definitely a symbiotic relationship yeah. where you have to 
you like you're a guest yeah. and you're a foreigner yeah. and you don't know what's best at all uh-huh. um and you have to listen and um it's it is a humbling experience but an absolutely vital one if you're going to get anything yeah, done that's crazy yeah. so so you get there and at what point do you see this opportunity for the women's baker how does that come about yeah that was my second year yeah. actually halfway through so the peace corps is 2 years and yep. 3 months yep so this is actually halfway through my second year um, I, in my village and in many rural Rwandan villages, people only eat one meal a day. Okay. Um, and so I did the same, like solidarity. Okay. Right. People all eat one meal a day and it's typically. People only eat, is this just culture? They just don't it's have food. cultural. So I don't really know. I, and I is used it lunch? to say, no, it's usually like a early dinner. Okay. It's so usually you, around you like 5 up. or 6 PM. No breakfast. Well, no I would eat breakfast because I lived in a house by myself, but, mm-hmm. um, like I would buy and I could, yeah, right. Because yeah. I had yeah. not a lot of money because yeah. I'm living on a Peace Corps stipend that's sure. supposed to mirror the profession that I have yeah. in where I live. Yeah. Um, but I had enough that I could get on a motorcycle, mm-hmm. go to the town that's like a two hour walk away mm-hmm. or a 20 minute motor ride mm-hmm. and buy oatmeal. Okay. And many people can't, can't do, do that, that right? Because right? they don't have a motorcycle and they can't get to that town. They don't have a motorcycle, but they also don't have the disposable income to right. take a motorcycle. Okay. Or they don't, and... Is the motorcycle the taxi or is the motorcycle is what you're getting on driving the motorcycle? I wish I could. No. Okay. Did not, it's a taxi. We were Got not allowed. Yeah, it's a taxi. So it's really just access, right? Yeah. I had access that most of the villagers did not. Okay. So, um, I would eat oatmeal in the morning, um, and then, but then you go to school and you're at school from about 6.30 a.m. Uh-huh. until 3.34 p.m. Okay. No food, right. no water, right. and when I first started, no latrines. Oh my goodness. Yeah. This is for everybody there, all the yes, kids. Correct. No food, no water, no latrines. And teachers. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, so I did that. I, I had, with the exception of breakfast... Um, tried to do the one meal a day thing, mm-hmm. like no lunch, basically. Because mm-hmm. if you wake up at five and you have breakfast and it's a little bit of oatmeal with water, because mm-hmm. I don't, I didn't have anything else. Right. It's definitely something, and it's more than what people sure. had, but still, it's not very much. And right. so then you come home at like four or five p.m. It takes you a couple hours to cook, and mm-hmm. then you're eating dinner. And dinner is typically potatoes or cassava or plantains. Okay. What's cassava? Cassava is a giant tuber root that. Um, potatoes, cassava, and. Plantains. Plantains. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and sure. if you were lucky, you had some beans in there, but beans are a cash crop, so you would usually sell your beans okay. for money rather okay. than cooking them for your family. Okay. Um, so, yes. So, I did that <clears throat> for a little while until, honestly, one day I was like, wait a minute, I'm super hungry, and I right. know you're super hungry, right. and I know your kids are super hungry. Right. And we've got an abundance of cabbages. Okay. Avocados are falling off trees. Everybody sells tomatoes and onions. Okay. Let's make salad. Okay. And that will be our midday meal. Yeah. Let's just do that, people. Okay. And so I became a rebel, basically. Wow. And I would walk home midday at school. Okay. And the way my village was set up is my school was kind of on a hill up mm-hmm. here, and the town was here, and my house was over here, like the village. Yeah. So I had to walk through town every yeah. day that I would go Ten to minute the school. Walk. About 20 minutes. 20 minute walk. Okay. Yep. Um, so I would walk home. Yeah. 
at midday and all the men are sitting outside right. drinking beer or doing whatever. And so they would so, see me. So they're drinking beer, but they're not eating. Like they're not that. eating. Drinking beer, but not eating. Yeah. Yep. Smoking cigarettes. A pre- uh, no, not no. quite as much. No. To, okay, not so you're really walking. Cigarettes. So they see me and they're like, what's up? We know you're going to go eat. Yeah. Like, can we come? Because yeah. definitely if you're eating, wow. that means you're going to cook for us. Yeah. So they would fall, and I would lie at first. I'd be like, oh, no, no, I'm not going to eat. No, yeah. no, no. And then finally I, I felt emboldened, and I was like, yes, yes I'm going to go eat because I know you're hungry, right. and I am too, so yeah. you know, deal this. with it. So they would follow me home. Yeah. And, and are you gathering avocados and salad yeah. stuff along the way? And putting no, it in your baskets? not along the way. There's usually a market at night. Like, okay. And when I say market, I mean like there are three makeshift tables yeah. that are set up or yeah. tarps that are laid down on the ground right. where people sell their excess yep. vegetables. Yep. Um, so the men would follow me into my house and they would see that I was starting to make salad. There's no word in Kenya Rwanda for, for salad. salad. I mean, it's salad, but that's but in the they, city. Is salad something they've eaten no. ever? No, it's called raw. So the men were horrified because they were like, oh my God, you're uh, eating raw? That's disgusting. Right. You're crazy. Because yeah. the only time food could be considered food is when it was cooked. Wow. So they don't eat salads. They did not eat salads. And so the men would leave my house just like in utter shock and go <laughs> tell their wives. They were like, oh my God, this crazy Mazungu is yeah. making raw. She's eating raw. And what is she doing? And the women were like, oh wow, that's so gross. And then they'd come up to me later and be like, can you please teach us how to do that? Yeah. And so, really, I started teaching women salad-making classes bi-weekly and oh using God. it as a platform to teach them about nutrition. Okay. Because I was taking avocados, mm-hmm. and that was like our vinaigrette, mixing it with vinegar and water mm-hmm. and salt, mm-hmm. and then chopping up cabbages, tomatoes, and onions. And I worked at the time also, I, I was a dual Peace Corps volunteer. I worked also at a health center, mm-hmm. and my assignment there was nutrition. Okay. So, so, you, so you totally understand this game. Uh, understood the. I, I mean, I was yeah. self. Yeah, I don't. I'm not a registered dietitian by any means, right. but I was. Get a little bit. I learned. Yeah. yeah. So it's enough to make salad. Enough to be dangerous too. Yeah, to tell yeah. them like right. what the importance of vegetables were yeah. and fat. So and, this just isn't in their diet. Um, it kind of is, but it not kind in the of way is. You like were... people eat avocados, but yeah. I think that understanding the benefit of eating any kind of vegetable mm-hmm. because there was a stigma mm-hmm. that only the poorest women and children would eat vegetables. There's like a really weird stigma. And if you're wealthy, you eat french fries because you can afford oil, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. And so just trying to turn that around. So I started teaching women how to make salads. And Mm -hmm. then one day... Marky salad making... Classes classes 101. 101. Right, exactly. That's fun. Um, And then one day, and this is totally honest, I just woke up and was like, oh my gosh, I've been gluten-free for far too long and this is completely unacceptable. And so I looked up a recipe. The Peace Corps gives you like a little cookbook. Yeah. And I looked up a recipe for yeast bread. Yeah. And I found it. And it was only five uh, ingredients. And yeah. I could find all of them there. Yeah. And the Peace Corps also had taught us how to make an oven over an open fire using two pots and like four stones. So I made a loaf of bread one day. Wow. And it's your first loaf of bread. Ever. Do you remember this? Yeah, because I'd never made out? it. Yeah, it was amazing. Wow. And so it's cooling. Like, I'd taken the bread out, and it's yeah. cooling on my table. So when, these, like, round loaves yeah, of bread? they're round because I was using pots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you, you bake it in a pot over an open fire. Uh-huh. I think that the easiest way to visualize this is you are creating a Dutch oven. Okay. Yep. Yep. Um... So the bread was cooling on my table one day when the women walked in for their salad making lessons. Yeah. 
And they were like, um, what is that? <laughs> Where did you buy it? It right. smells so delicious. Yeah. Um, so I said it was bread and I didn't buy it and I made it. And yeah. so in Rwandan villages, bread is a known commodity, but it's scarce. Okay. It usually comes from towns. Okay. And if it doesn't come from that town, it's coming from a city and it's bust into that town. Okay. Um, so really... And, and is this... Okay, so... You're teaching them how to make salads. You're teaching them how to make breads. This, the ingredients are all around mm -hmm. them, but this knowledge just didn't exist. It got lost in the. It may have, yeah. It may have been in killed the in the genocide. genocide. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the, it's just, it just wasn't there. It may have been there at some point. I, that's what I think, actually. Yeah. yeah. Been gotten killed in the genocide, mm -hmm. and you have just stumbled and on. Maybe I've rekindled something, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. So the women asked to learn how to make bread and I did right. and I'll tell you there were two light bulb moments for me yeah so the first was the first loaf that I was baking with the women I hadn't figured it out yet that mm -hmm. like each of the women should bake their own or like have their own ball of dough and then go yeah. home and bake it okay I was I didn't figure it out okay. so we baked one loaf of bread and so I don't know if you've ever baked yeast bread before but it takes like five hours I'm gonna Marky after this okay great I'll teach you amazing yes um, well, it takes about five hours okay. because you have to like prepare the dough, then mm -hmm. knead it, and then let it rise so for an hour. So your first, you spent the five hours doing this? Yes, right. with like seven women, right? right? But And I didn't think it through where okay. I was like, oh my God, these women are going to be sitting in my house for like five hours waiting for this bread to finish. <laughs> um, so anyway, fast forward to the actual baking part. We're all sitting around my oven, yeah. my makeshift oven. oven, yes. Which is pots and rocks. Pots and, and rocks okay. over an open fire. Over an open fire. Um, and waiting for this one loaf of bread to finish baking. And it's dusk, so that's about 6 to 6.30 in Rwanda, when all of the women should be at home cooking that one meal a day for yeah, their family. Yeah, yeah. So they weren't. They yeah. were at my house. Yeah. I had seven women at my yeah. house. Yeah. And so then the babies start coming out of the woodworks, right? Because they're yeah. like, um, I'm hungry, Mom. Where yeah. are you? Yeah. So for every woman you have, you have like four babies. Um, so I had seven women, 28 babies, literally, or children. There's no translation for that. Yeah. Standing around this one oven, waiting for this one <laughs> loaf of bread to finish baking, and I don't know if it's gonna feed everybody. <laughs> exactly, I like I'm sitting on pins and needles because I'm like, God, I hope it rises. I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, because it was the second loaf of bread I've ever made, right. so let's see how this goes. I don't yeah. know. So yeah, it did. It worked. It worked. And I took the bread out. I'm passing out, like I'm breaking the pieces and passing it out to the women. Uh -huh. And this is a biblical scene. I know. Right? I I try not to say break bread, but, but there it is. And it's real. It. Yeah. Um. And so I'm passing out pieces to the the women, yeah. and like you know, as I'm doing it. The women take a bite, and as soon as they realize that the bread is good, mm -hmm. it immediately goes into the mouths of the children. Right. And so before I even had time to, like, take the pots off the fire, yeah. Yeah. I look up, and all of these children are, like, wide-eyed and gobbling on this bread. Oh and gosh. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is how we do it. Yeah. This is how we feed the kids. Yeah. We just need to pack this bread full of nutrients mm -hmm. and use it as a snack that these kids wouldn't otherwise have. Right. And we've got all of those nutrients locally available. Right. Because as I said, beans are a cash crop, but okay. so are peanuts. Okay. And peanuts are high in fat and protein. And so those are two. So bread's in, uh, tell me what's in the bread. So that, it was just wheat flour. There wasn't okay. anything in the bread. It okay. was like salt, yeast, water, and wheat flour. Okay. Um, and a little bit of oil. Okay. 
So, but, but then I started to make new recipes okay. and I started fortifying the bread with peanut flour. Okay. Um, because in Rwanda, people use peanut flour, they pulverize the flour or mm -hmm. peanuts, they pulverize it to make flour and they use it in a sauce that they mix with tomatoes and put it over plantains. Okay. So it's something they already had. They mm -hmm. were already pulverizing it into flour. So I just started fortifying the breads with peanut flour, um, the yeast breads, and it worked and it was delicious. Mm -hmm. And like, Whole wheat flour has 17 grams of protein per cup, and peanut flour has something like 22 or 23 grams of protein. Okay. So it was like equal parts of both. Yeah. Just shot the protein up through the roof and somehow didn't kill the yeast, which was great. But then I also started to experiment with what we would call quick breads, like banana bread, um, but omitting sugar and oil to keep to maintain the quote-unquote nutrition mm -hmm. of it and mm -hmm. to make it highly nutritious. Again, fortifying it with peanut flour and whole wheat flour but then doing carrot bread, okay, right? And yeah. um, sweet potato bread and all these different vegetables that the women were already growing and right. feeding their families, but just teaching them how to put it in breads. Right. So we were doing this for a few few weeks, maybe a couple months. And, and, and you're still Dutch ovening these things. Yeah, and, and I taught them fire, how to do it. Right? So they're doing it themselves. Yeah, so and this was my goal yeah. that they're I could empower them. House, right. Yeah, Let's, well, right. right. <laughs> Yeah, go home, please. Let's go home and make some breads. <laughs> yeah, but it was really to empower them yeah. to give their kiddos something, yeah. like either on their way to school or yeah. like the women work in the fields, they're subsistence farmers. So okay. they spend all day in the fields. So this is their full-time job anyway, growing crops for others. Yeah, or themselves. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. And gotcha. so if there's a way for me to empower them to create, because the bread is not a meal substitute and that was never my intention. Mm -hmm. This is a snack, okay. a, a highly nutritious snack. Okay. Um, and that was my goal, literally mm -hmm. to empower women to do something to that was simple in and the midday easy. Yeah, hour for their kiddos. Yeah. But then one day, and this is probably like realistically only a month or a month and change after I taught the women how to make the bread. After that first bread making day. Mm -hmm. Okay. Two women came to me and they were like, guess what? We just sold this bread at a nearby market. And I was like, what? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. You're so brilliant. Yeah. Because I realized two things in that moment. Yeah. That there was a local demand. Yep. Like these these industrious women had just created a market sure. for a completely new product. Right. And I realized that that product was in demand, yeah. bread. Yeah. And I also realized that there was no local supply, right. i.e. bakery. Wow. So thus the women's bakery. And so the women's bakery was born. The women's bakery and is was this born. from the village. This is from the village and, and this is from again? the women themselves. Bushoga. Does, is it the people now know of Bushoga bread? No. So, and that's another story. Our, the first bakery I built actually has been bulldozed. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> there it is. Just ha There's just now happened. a road oh, okay. that's going right through it. Thank right. you. Thank, Thank you. Whatever. You Local government. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, this, this was, and I think this is one of the reasons why I believe in the women's bakery and I'm, I'm passionate about yeah. it is because it started, it started organically and it yeah. started by listening, yeah. right, yeah. to the women. Yeah. Um, and then you've got this really wonderful relationship where I had an education that um, enabled me to critically think and it's mm -hmm. not that the women themselves cannot it's that mm -hmm. they haven't either been trained or been given an opportunity yeah. so the women know that they can sell the bread mm -hmm. but i know that i can build a business yeah. from this and yeah. i know that like the women understand all like from this part they understand all the aspects that go into how to make the bread uh -huh. and how to sell it and like how to to a degree market the bread but i know how to 
build the infrastructure behind it mm -hmm. and make sure that the women are making money to yeah. do so. Yeah. So that's what's happening now. Yeah. The women's bakeries, how big, how many br much bread do you make? Yeah. How, how can I help? Yeah, thanks. Um, you can this. This is very helpful. Mm -hmm. So right now, so, and this is what I always tell people. It's one thing to have an idea to empower women. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and educate cool. them. Yeah, yeah, but it's a completely different thing to try and build a sustainable business yeah. out of it, right? Uh -huh. So we are... So that's, your, that's what you did. That's yes. what you're doing now. That's what we're doing now. So... The Women's Bakery is a 501c3 public charity in the United States, okay. and we are donation-based, okay. where I raise funds to support our programmatic efforts on the ground. Okay. Um, and then in Rwanda, I'm for-profit. I'm okay. essentially, it's I call myself a third-party service provider, but mm -hmm. that's in essence a consultant, where okay. other nonprofits um, can hire me, mm -hmm. like they can hire me to train a group of women that they've already been working with. Okay. So the idea behind that is that there are already probably 80 to 85 nonprofits. It's called an NGO over there. Sure. That are working in Rwanda. Okay. Most have very specific missions, but by and large, mm -hmm. we're all after the same thing, which is human dignity and yeah. human autonomy yeah. and trying to improve the human condition. Yeah. So I set up... Um, as a for-profit in Rwanda so that I could collaborate with rather than compete against mm -hmm. these nonprofits, okay. right? So that yeah. we're not fighting for donor dollars right. so that they can raise their donor dollars mm -hmm. and hire me. Right. And I've got this turnkey solution yeah. to help a group of women that they've already been working with right. to develop a for-profit self-sustaining business. Gotcha. And so that's what we do. Okay. Um, the way I like to describe to people why we're a nonprofit in the United States is <clears throat> we mirror a VC firm, a venture capital firm, that's investing in, in enterprises. Okay. So the nonprofit here, my yeah. 501c3, yeah. I invest, I'm investing or giving a capital injection to my for-profit business, mm -hmm. which is the school, yeah. this vocational business school yeah. in Rwanda until it can become self-sustaining. Gotcha. And then as soon as it is, I move, I move on okay. to another and, country. Okay. Oh, okay. So yeah. we're going to take it, take it to show on the road. Yep. Beyond Rwanda. Definitely. Same exact thing. Mm -hmm. And the school is the centerpiece of this where you will train women mm -hmm. to farm gather their own farmers. okay mm -hmm. they're already farmers most of them mm -hmm. figure out how to make bread and sell bread yeah so in essence we and um, are you building the physical bakeries or they're just yeah we are now okay originally so they we can come bake their own bread in these bakeries anyone can just show up Bake yeah, bread, so bread. that actually is a very you're, that's a very uh, innovative idea. I think that has been happening, and well, it's been happening for centuries in a lot of places where yeah. people there is a, an it's established like just a bakery. Least yeah. space. We model. don't do that yet. Okay. I think that that is definitely something that could happen in a village where there is like a central oven and people can lease space from that yeah. oven. Yeah. But no, right now when we do invest in the physical infrastructure of a bakery, it is for the women that we've already trained gotcha. to manage. And operate that bakery. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And is this happening? Yeah, it's happening. So you have all these women partners mm -hmm. from the village that you've known now. Same not, women? Not necessarily my village. Okay. No, there are the same women and they, gosh, they've had a hard road to hoe. But they're they're still starting. There's... The original bakery that I started, as I said, was bulldozed yes. um, in the name of infrastructure, which is hard because you believe in infrastructure, but then it's hard when you watch yeah. something like that just yeah. be destroyed. Yep. Um, but the women are trying to uh, reorganize themselves, okay. and the they need to um, make a plan for us and raise a certain amount of money. Mm -hmm. 
to prove that they're they're in yeah, that yeah, they've yeah. got skin in the game yeah. they've got ownership and um because a lot of the original women actually have left they live in other villages gotcha. now gotcha. um so there's some new blood and um it sounds it almost sounds harsh when you say that in the united states mm-hmm. but i assure you that we are with them and we're not being harsh we just need to yeah. see that they're their skin is in the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, like, if we do come and we're building a bakery, yeah. that it's not that they decide in two months, like, oh, thanks, but no thanks, I'm yeah. out. They're you in. Know? Yeah, yeah, they have to be yeah, in. Yeah, so uh, if women are there, this is going to be their business. Exactly. They're into it. And do so, they get that? Are they excited? Yeah, they, yes. And so to date, so realistically, the women's bakery is actually quite new. Mm-hmm. Um, as you have been hearing from these stories, the, the genesis of the idea started in 2012, okay. at kind of the end of 2012. I went back yeah, because I I wrote a business plan for mm-hmm. the original women and like I kind of left them in suspended animation because mm-hmm. I finished my Peace Corps yeah, time took off. and I couldn't build a for-profit yeah. business under the auspices of Peace Corps. Yeah. You just can't. Yeah. So I left and I came back to the United States, yeah. but I told them, this is the amount of money you need to raise. If you raise half of it, I'll match it and come back and help you. Okay. And I meant it. Yeah. I absolutely meant that, but yeah. I didn't think that they would do it as fast as they did. So <laughs> like, oh, guess what? We get the money. No, really. They called That's me in the... April. They called me wow. on my cell phone. Yeah. They, it wasn't just a like, Hey, what's up? They were wow. like, yo, we got the money. We got the money. Wow. You come back now. So that was in 2013. Finished mm-hmm. that bakery. It was open for business in September of 2013. Oh I gosh. left in November Came back to the United States and was literally like, oh my God, yes, okay, I want to go to grad school, I want to be a banker, not a baker, a banker with an N, (laughs) and I want to do impact investing and I can't wait to live in the United States and I'm, you know, I'm so excited to be here. Um, And literally the week I got home from building the first bakery, I gave a really, really small, very intimate presentation to just family and friends about what I'd just done. Yeah, yeah. And there was... um, there were two people in the audience who were like, oh my gosh, we love this and yeah. we'd like to invest in you to build more. Wow. And I was like, oh no, thank wow. you. Yeah, no, no, I'm done. No, I'm done. Banker, I, I really banker. like, Did yeah. Did you guys get that yeah, Exactly. But then these wonderful philanthropists and very smart humans um, were persistent. Mm-hmm. Um, and four months later, after their persistence, I did accept their investment and that was in August of 2014. Okay. And so we didn't, my business partner and I didn't go back to build what was the first bakery for the women's bakery until February of 2015. Okay. So we're really like just a little over a year old. Um, So the reason I'm telling you that is because in that year we have trained 38 women. Okay. Um, We have three bakeries, uh, two in Tanzania and one in Rwanda. And we, our bakeries collectively produce about, I would say between... 1,500 and 2,000 muffins a week. 1,500 and 2,000 muffins a week. Right. And so each of those muffins wow. has four grams of protein. Okay. Which is... So <clears> they're <throat> feeding their kids these muffins and selling the Oh, they're muffins. selling them. Yeah, definitely. But they're still feeding their kids the... Yeah, if they buy the bread. Okay. Or they make it at home. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so I think... So one muffin has four grams of protein, mm-hmm. which is about eight or nine percent of a woman, an adult woman's mm-hmm. daily need of protein, mm-hmm. or twenty-one percent of a child's. Wow. Yeah. So what we do is we try and create markets at local schools and mm-hmm. also local health centers, as yeah. well as just shop owners who who can sell it for us yep. as well. Um, but yeah, right now the the plan or the the focus is helping these bakeries operate uh, effectively, 
and then also um, securing for them repeat markets okay. like schools and health centers, which can make okay. pre-orders uh, yeah. weekly, um, and the women have a set amount to like what their production of bread will be and then how to go out and sell. Wow. Yeah. And then expand into other markets. And expand into other markets. So that's what you're doing now? Yes. So that's what, tell me a little bit about the f next year. What do you have on the... Yeah, well, to... I leave for Rwanda in two weeks. Okay. So you're back. <laughs> I'm back. Going back. Um, Is so... it, and what are the Rwandans like? Are they a lovely people? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Cool. Um, yes, they are. Yeah. Uh, it's, there's, there are challenges to every culture. Sure. But yes, I, I think, I think that if you have the privilege of uh, being invited into a new culture and hosted within it, you will always find those good people. Yeah, yeah. Um, and especially our women. They're just amazing. amazing. Cool. Mm -hmm. And the website. Yeah. Did you tell me this? Can I go donate? You can. Please do. Okay. <laughs> yes. The website is womensbakery.com. Womensbakery.com. Yep. Okay. And I'll put this link up there. Thanks. And yep. there is a donate page, but then there's also, and this is something that you may not see immediately, but we will be... Um, hopefully launching this by September, um, a way for you to get involved beyond just simple donations. Yeah. Um, and, and, what, and that'll be some other fun time. It's donation. baking bread baking and bread. inviting people like your friends or your family to your house to bake bread and share the women's bakery story with them. It's wow. called inspired meal. Wow. Yeah. That That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks. That's so, that's so cool. That's, that's the newest edition. It's not up there yet. It will be. Okay. And how long are you going to be in there? Over there? Um, I think trip? probably between one and three months. Okay. I don't really know. Um, it depends on a few things. I do need to come back to St. Louis because I'm actually getting my MBA at oh, Wash U, so point. I need to finish that yeah, because I would really like to. Yeah. Um, Has it just been sitting out there? No. I mean, You're I just finished along? my first year okay. of my MBA, um, but there are, there are some things that are needed in Rwanda, and I want to go yeah. and get them done. <laughs> um, so, you know, but fair enough. my I mean, business comes first. I would think that the MBA people, like I'm running a business and doing an MBA, it is cool, actually. It enhances the, the MBA. Okay. Mm -hmm. I bet it does. It do you does. find that the MBA is practical for running business? In like, East do you know Africa? What I'm well, yeah. Are you, are you like, this is not how it's done? Oh, gosh. Sometimes, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I the reason I got, I, the reason I'm pursuing my MBA is so that I can essentially be equipped with, like, this toolbox yeah. to understand more intimately, but also technically, how to build and run a sure. business well. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, there are some things that are highly applicable um, and immediately, like I can apply them immediately to the business, yeah. like strategy. I have one professor who's like a dream. He's yep, so kind yep. and really interested and hyper intelligent. Yeah, and he's yeah. been helping me. Yep. And then there are other things that aren't quite as applicable, um, but still very interesting. And yep. I want them in my in my toolbox for later use yeah. when I do become a banker. Yeah. <laughs> and I and I am doing impact investing. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. You'll have already done it. Yeah. Well, Marky, that was a fantastic story. Thank you so much. Thank you. I, I appreciate the time. I appreciate awesome. your time. Yeah, awesome. And your interest. Thank yeah. you. All right. Well, everyone go to thewomensbakery.com. Check it out. Throw, host a bread party this fall and give some cash. Woo!